This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. And today we're talking about Ferrero Rocher. That's right. We talked a little bit about uh, Ferrero, the company, when we did the Nutella episode. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't listened to that one, you might enjoy listening to it before this one because we're going to be referring to uh, the, the owners of the Ferrero company and that kind of thing. And you can get sort of the history history of the company, which yes, I which actually thought was pretty interesting. I thought it was too. Uh, I don't remember Nutella it, but episode. I know I thought it was interesting at the time. Yeah. So shall we go down memory lane? Let's do. All right. So I remember having these occasionally as a kid, and I thought of them very much in the same context as Linder balls mm-hmm. of like of like this is like the fancy candy that you can get at the drugstore, and mm-hmm. like so you would never like go in and say like you know you might go in with your with your parent and say like I want a Snickers bar, you never go in and say like I want some Ferrero Rochers, like that's right. That it is it is interesting because yeah, it's it's in a very different category from for instance like Godiva. Which was a you know mass marketed right. luxury chocolate product, but this is like the the drugstore luxury chocolate. And like even as a kid, like I got the sense that that it was uh, something more special than like a Whitman sampler or a Russell Stover. Oh, big time, big time. Um, and like we we did Whit- Whitman sampler, and it was like okay, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like I think of the Russell Stovers as being trash. <laughs> None. Yes. I think of Russell Stover as actually, so I really like some of the Russell Stover okay. I'm, stuff. I'm glad because I just I like someone's yum. I like the individually wrapped like chocolate covered marshmallow shapes. Okay. I, I even like the ones that are like raspberry flavored marshmallow and whatever. Okay. I, I don't think I've crap. ever had a, a Russell Stover marshmallow. Oh, I love that. Okay. Well, anyway, Frere Rocher, we're going to, I mean, this product is really interesting. Okay. What's your memory lane? Okay. Well, my memory lane is similar to yours in that I think that I encountered these as something that was very fancy. And as I recall, I first had them at my host family's house in France. Must have been around Christmas time. I had two younger host brothers. They were five and seven. Five and seven. And, oh, wow, Matthew is opening this already. Anyway, and I remember my host brothers were like in 
awe when Frere Rocher showed up in the house. Nice. Because it was very, like, it, it was considered really fancy. And I remember being quite surprised at some point later when I went to the store and discovered that actually they were just fancy by, like, grocery store standard. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that it's showing up in France, because, like, except except that you mentioned it on the Nutella episode, I think I would have guessed that it was, like, an American thing with a European-ish name. Oh, but it's not. Right. Yeah, no, I think I think some of the cachet of this comes from the fact that it is, Ooh. you know, fine European chocolate. Um, I'm crunching into one right now. Okay, well, so for people who maybe haven't had one. <laughs> These are so good. I know, they're really good. <laughs> so for people who haven't had one, so you've probably seen the displays of them, especially around the holidays. They are always wrapped in gold foil. They always have a tiny white sticker that says Frere Rocher. Mm-hmm. And they're nestled in like a brown like paper liner, like a muffin cup. Yes, which is which is glued to the, uh, oh, to the foil. Glued to the foil. So so that when you like take the cup off, the foil opens up. It's, it's kind of clever packaging. Okay, that's really cool. So, well, when you unwrap it, what it looks like is kind of a large spherical truffle. Yeah, like a little smaller than a golf ball, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it's coated in uh, milk chocolate and chopped hazelnuts. And then when you bite in, like just under that outer coating is a wafer shell, mm-hmm. like a, a hollow like uh, sphere of wafer cookie stuff. And inside that is this almost like Nutella-like creamy hazelnut chocolate. Yep. And at the very center of that creamy chocolate stuff is a whole roasted hazelnut. Brilliant. And that is the Ferrero Rocher. I highly recommend going to the Wikipedia page for Ferrero Rocher because you will see um, that people have taken pictures of them in their various layers. Yeah, sure. Very gratifying. I see. Um, I see that the various layers are like wrapped, unwrapped, and then cross section. Did anyone like sh- try and shave off yes. like, the outer layer? So this is this picture is available on like a different Wikipedia page, the okay. one I've included today. But on the Wikipedia page for Ferrero Rocher, there is a picture of what it what the wafer okay sphere looks like when you take off the milk chocolate i was just imagining somebody like just meticulously shaving the milk chocolate off (laughs) yeah sure and then there's a picture of what happens when you remove the wafer uh sphere and it it looks like just a little chocolate ball it seems kind of obscene it does seem obscene um it must have been like a real like feat of industrial engineering to make a spherical wafer Mm, we're gonna get there in a minute okay great okay hold on right off the bat I just want to say the wafer texture feels really special Mm -hmm. with the flavor of hazelnut and chocolate. It really, like, it tastes fancy. Yeah. Right? Oh, my God. And the wafer texture, so good. Mmm. Mmm. Okay. So, Mm. Ferrero, the company, is super secretive about the production process for these bad boys. Uh, Ferrero Rocher is machine made from start to finish. For a long time, they didn't allow smartphones or notebooks in the production facilities. Notebook computers or actual notebooks? Mm, Wikipedia said notebooks. Okay. Um, And few journalists have ever been invited to visit. And I found this YouTube video that claims to, we can link to it on the show, it it claims to, to... you know, walk you through how they're made. And honestly, it has some footage that was recorded in Ferrero production facilities. Like you can watch 
um, this machine that is like very quickly like wrapping them in, in foil and spitting them out. Sure, but that's not the interesting part. But I could swear from watching this video that all of the like chocolate footage, all the like pre-foil footage uh-huh. is just like stock footage. That's my favorite uh, Girl Scout cookie, pre-foils. <laughs> anyway, um, so what I was able to find is that Basically, it's like there are these like sheets of wafer and they're kind of pressed into like a half, like a hemisphere kind of word I was looking for, like a hemisphere mold sort of. So basically they make two like hemisphere, two hollow hemispheres of wafer. That makes sense. They get glued together. And I'm guessing like super glue. Exactly. Meat glue. Meat glue. And I'm guessing that the creamy stuff inside is maybe like injected in there. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it would have to go in, I would think, after the wafer was was or glued. Could it, could it go in like w- like warm and malleable and then get kind of kind of slurked together? I'm not sure. Yeah, about I don't that. know. And then at some point they've got to get that hazelnut in there, unless they do it kind of like the like when you put a ship into a bottle, <laughs> <laughs> where where it has little strings. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where they can uh, they can uh, like inflate the hazelnut when, yeah, it, when they get it inflates inside. Nuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> inflates nuts. Anyway, or or maybe they grow it in there like uh, like uh, oh, Clear well, Creek like, brandy, right? Or no, or I was thinking like those melons that are box shaped. Yes, box melons. Yes. So that's that's how they get the hazelnut in Ferrero Rocher. Do you know, and maybe you're going to get to this, does anybody make knockoffs of these? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. People try to I make guess... knockoffs all the time. And I'm sure that, like, I bet pretty I much- I like I maybe have had something sort of like it. I think that, like, uh, makers of truffles all over the place have done their own knockoff version of okay. this. And certainly, if you search the internet for, like, a homemade Ferrero Rocher recipe, you can absolutely find them. All right. For sure. I no, I'm not going to try making this at no. home. Are you out no. of your mind? So, I actually let's talk about about uh, where the idea for this came from because okay, this delighted me. I went deep on Actually, it's not hard to go deep on the history of Ferrero Rocher. So, uh, the the Ferrero Company, if you listen to the Nutella episode, you will know that the company was created by Pietro Ferrero. I remember that, yeah. His son, Michele, took over in the 60s, I believe, when he passed away. And it's Michele who like really made the company big, 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 big. All right, that makes sense. And part of how he did this was Ferrero Rocher, which sells almost four billion pieces per year wow yeah no i mean it it's so it is a huge huge so like every other person on earth eats a ferrero rocher every every year exactly okay exactly anyway so ferrero rocher is said to have been created by michele ferrero the son of the company's founder and and the the one who made the company really big uh it was introduced in italy in 1979 and in other parts of europe in 1982 okay i think i would have guessed somewhat older than that I would have, too. I would have, too. The company here's this is interesting. I mean, I'll give you some idea of of what a moneymaker this product and, of course, Nutella have been. So today the company is run by Michele's son, Giovanni. Uh, I love getting to say all these Italian names. And (laughs) 
Giovanni Ferrero is the richest person in Italy. Okay, so when I saw this on the agenda, I was like, even richer than that one guy? Is that guy one guy still like alive? And I, Silvio Berlusconi? I couldn't remember his name, so I Googled who was that asshole who was the president <laughs> of Italy came right up. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, no. Uh, I, but I, also, he is dead. So. I searched multiple sources, uh, Forbes, one other like yeah, wealth no, ranking. Anyway, yeah, Giovanni Ferrero is the richest man in Italy and either the 28th or the 30th richest person in the world. Yeah, like, I mean... As far as like, I know there are like a lot of like very serious issues in uh, in the chocolate industry, and yet, like of all the ways to be a billionaire, if you're like a billionaire candy magnet, that seems like not the worst one. <laughs> I mean, it it seems. I mean, at least like you could you could maybe like. I don't know, live in a house with like lickable wallpaper and you could probably have a yep. great glass elevator yes. and maybe you could give kids a lifetime supply of chocolate. That's that's kind of what I was thinking. Yes. Yeah. And and that like, you know, if you come to the party, like you're going to like give out some good stuff. Like if Elon Musk <laughs> comes to your party, like what is Elon Musk going to bring to your party? Like a bunch of bad ideas. Oh my Whereas God. this guy's just going to hand out candy. Oh my God. I listened maybe in early December. I listened to an episode of The Daily where Andrew Sorkin or something was interviewing Elon Musk at some like New York business conference and I just I have no words uh, I have no words for the whole experience that was listening to that interview I mean and I have a lot of words for this show so okay, great. Um, I, I'm gonna go on All with right. my words okay so back to Michele Ferrero and and the 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 creation of the Ferrero Rocher okay so Michele Ferrero was a devout Roman Catholic and get this, he named Ferrero Rocher after the Rocher de Massabiel, which is a rock grotto in Lourdes, France, where the Virgin Mary was said to have appeared to Saint Bernadette. Okay. Okay, so Rocher means... Is rock, right? Means rock or boulder, yeah. Okay, there is a whole article about this. About the boulder? Uh, no, about uh, the article. Oh, the, is, the article is called "How Ferrero Rocher Chocolates Were Inspired by the Virgin Mary." <laughs> okay, great. It, it, but this is this. I read this on the Roman Catholic News and Information site, uh, Alatea. How would I pronounce that? I don't know. I don't know either. Anyway, but you can also find it on Wikipedia and in other places. I mean, this is the origin story of Ferrero Rocher. So, according to the article, the quote hazelnut pocked surface of the Ferrero Rocher mm -hmm. bears more than a passing resemblance to the rock formation at Lourdes. Matthew, let's be the judges of that. Okay. Flip, flip over your agenda. <laughs> oh, you put a picture of the rock <laughs> yeah. in the agenda. Not, not the rock, I the actor and wrestler. I don't think it's a picture. Wrestler. I think it's an illustrator. I okay. mean, an illustration. But yes, it does look like it. I think this is a stretch. I don't know. We just cut one. Like you can almost even see like where the hazelnut would go. That's true. You can't. I, I am totally sold on this. And, and in fact, okay. I'm now a religious man. OK, well, uh, if our listeners would like to go see for themselves, this image came from this Roman Catholic News and Information website, and we'll link to it in the show notes. Anyway, so uh, on the 50th anniversary of the company's founding, Michele was said to have pronounced the success of Ferrero we owe to Our Lady of Lourdes. So then, like, if you're if you're like a savvy business person, you got to think like, OK, this worked for us once. Like what what like miracle <laughs> can we turn into our next candy? 
right? Yeah, I mean, like, there's got to be some sort of candy that can make a reference to like healing people with leprosy, exactly. Or, yeah, um, or uh, raising the dead. Yes, there we go. <laughs> Roll back the stone. Uh huh. Roll back the rocher. <laughs> Why is it all rock related? I'm not sure. Okay. Anyway. I, guess, I guess back in biblical times, rocks was like most most of what people had around. Yeah, they didn't have plastic <laughs> right. yet. Anyway, according to that same article, uh, Michele Ferrero made an annual pilgrimage to Lourdes every year and always took along his top manager. What a super fun <laughs> trip with the boss, oh. right? And um, did he did he like leave some Ferrero Rochers like probably. on the rock as an offering? Probably. And the, and the like park ranger had to say stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Is, anyway, there, is there a park ranger? A park ranger. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, he also had a statue of the Virgin Mary placed in each of Ferrero's production facilities around the world. I, I feel like that's not very inclusive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. also this is, I was going to say this is Italy, but you just said around the world, so yeah. it's not. Okay. And I want to get into that around the world thing. Okay. Because Ferrero has had a really interesting, and I would say like very targeted marketing approach or like approach to brand placement that is particularly designed to appeal to immigrant communities. Okay. Uh, okay, we're, we're going to look at this. So, Ferrero Rocher is associated with Christmas. This episode is coming out on, what, January 11th? Yeah. Hey, it's it's the, the 14th anniversary of the show. Wow, you did remember. I did okay. remember. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to wife of the show, Lori. Happy birthday to Trogdor the Burninator. Um, yeah. Is it Lori's birthday on January 11th? No, it's the 13th, but oh. close in. It's, oh, the, yeah. it's the closest well, episode. And, and happy... Oh, no. The next episode will be closest to my son's birthday. I'm still getting used to having having a family member born in January. Yeah. Ferrero Rocher is associated with Christmas. Perhaps even as you're listening to this, you have some kicking around from Christmas. Could be. 61% of all Ferrero Rocher sold annually are sold in the final three months of the year. So that's that's a lot, but it's probably less than I would have guessed. Yeah, I would have guessed maybe more like 70% maybe. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, but of course, you know, people buy tons of these things all year long. So, yeah, I want to talk about how it's marketed and why it is that we all think of this as like the fancy candy. Mm -hmm. Uh, When in truth, like Mm -hmm. I checked the price yesterday and you can get a 24 box of Ferrero Rocher Target for Mm $12.99 as of this taping. So about 50 cents each. Yep. Okay, so. Because of Ferrero Rocher's relatively low price compared to other, like, quote-unquote, fancy chocolates, and with the fact that it's really fancy-looking. Yeah, mean, the, whole, this- the whole experience, like, is very satisfying. So I gave Molly, and, and gave meaning I bought and then I ate myself, the, the Christmas tree box of Ferrero Rocher's, which uh, wife of the show, Lori, like, remembered from her childhood and said, you have to get the Christmas tree box. And, like, it's very satisfying to lift the top open and then, like, peel back the plastic. And then you get to open the the foil ball, which is very luxurious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So because of its low price combined with its, like, fancy appearance um, and the fact that it's always positioned itself among, like, fancier chocolates, it became a status symbol among immigrant communities, particularly in the U.S., But also, for instance, in mainland China, for a long time, Ferrero Rocher was not available. Mm -hmm. 
And therefore, it became like a coveted gift that if you were, for instance, if you lived in Hong Kong and you were going to do business in mainland China, you might take it as like a gift. Sure. But there's this fantastic Thrillist article by Liana... Agajanian, I believe she's an Armenian-American writer. There is a Thrillist article about Ferrero Rocher and it's uh, like being so beloved by immigrant communities. Sure. It's a fantastic article. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, so I'm going to just quote from it a bit here because it, it, it's it's fantastic. So this article uh, says, it was a secret handshake, a sign of respect and good taste. It was a symbol of the good life, a tangible thing that vividly encapsulated social and economic aspirations in a way no other food item could. The gifting and receiving of a Ferrero Rocher chocolate box, 48 pieces if you were lucky, <laughs> was a secret universal language shared by immigrants in the 80s and 90s. It was a truth acknowledged amongst the hospitality-laden cultures of their families. You never showed up to someone's house, whether they were strangers or family, without a gift. And if the gift turned out to be Ferrero Rocher, it was a surefire way to know you had almost literally struck gold with your hosts. I, I love this. I love that this is the thing and that the thing is like it, it's just kind of the perfect level of luxury, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That it's like attainable and doesn't have to like, you know, reflect or, or cause social stratification and is actually tasty. Yeah, yeah. The article also goes on to really talk about how Ferrero Rocher positioned itself for this. So again, I'm going to share an, an excerpt from the article. While other chocolate brands like Godiva marketed itself in luxury shopping centers, Ferrero Rocher was easily found stacked in the aisles of ethnic supermarkets whose owners imported them from abroad and then eventually in American drugstores like CVS and Rite Aid. Shinier and pricier than Whitman's or Russell Stover, and with a foreign flair that oozed European refinement, it was instant obtainable wealth. There's never been a fine chocolate like this before, Ferrero Rocher ads declared, and we ate it right up. It was the perfect marketing ploy directed toward the perfect target audience, and it worked. In an effort to achieve international chocolate domination, Ferrero Rocher set up plants and production centers in Eastern Europe, Asia, the Middle East, and Africa, and further invaded the subconscious, subconscious of Romanians, Yemenis, Indians, Armenians, Lebanese, Chinese, Nigerians, and more who were attracted to its status as a luxurious imported foreign product. Nice. Uh, Matthew, yes, we are going to need to watch an oh, ad. Oh, yes. You mentioned this. I will grab my computer. The thing Molly's about to eat that I just ate, we, we also got a uh, variety pack that includes the uh, uh, Raffaele, which is uh, the Raffaello, which is uh, coconut flavored Ferrero Rocher and the uh, Ferrero Ron Noir, which is a dark chocolate version. Oh, my God. These are so good. They're all good. Yeah. Wow. They are all so good. I loved that coconut one. It's coconut and white chocolate. I really wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it. So good. But honestly, I kind of, I need to go back to the original. Yep. Rocher. Yeah, I want to I just pop a whole original. You're going to pop a whole original? I'm going to pop a whole original. Okay, here we go. I'm going to unwrap this one myself. Oh, I'm having trouble figuring out what angle to start peeling the foil from because it's glued down so squarely to the, the liner cup. Okay, wait, hold on, Matthew. Let me set this up. So there was this famous Ferrero Rocher ad that aired in the UK in the early 90s. 
And it is referred to as the Ambassador's Party ad. And anyway, apparently, like, white British people thought this was a total riot for the way that it portrays Ferrero Rocher. Sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's designed to make Ferrero Rocher look very fancy and European and very, you know, what you would have at an ambassador's reception. But it's also, it's like, based on what you were saying, it's sort of accurate in the sense that, like, it's showing, like, people of uh, from various nationalities, yes. uh, like, enjoying this as a special treat. That is what's interesting about it. It could have been, like, any fancy party, but right. it's the ambassador's party. Anyway, it, this ad uh, apparently is a real like pop culture um, staple. Sure. In the UK, and it's been parodied lots of times. Um, anyway, there was even a piece in the New Statesman in like 2000 that analyzed the way that the ads like message of aspirational wealth and aspirational taste for some people translated into tastelessness for snootier people yeah no they're they're like walking an interesting line here mm-hmm. and i think i think like the the marketing of this product has been brilliant yeah right yeah no i mean it's this product is so much more interesting than i thought it was gonna yeah be. and uh, i just popped a whole one and that is the way to eat it i think oh i don't know i really liked it when you cut it in half oh yeah no I, that was that was it was great to see the cross section of the hazelnut but like to get that whole ball in your mouth and like have it implode under under the power of your jaw could we open one more coconut one <laughs> <laughs> sorry these are so good i know they're so good okay i highly recommend the assortment where you get the the dark chocolate, the regular yeah. and the white chocolate coconut one. But I also highly recommend the Christmas tree one uh, just because it's a Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah. You know what I do wish, though? I wish that it had plastic across the front, because now that you've peeled off the plastic. Now, like squirrels can get it. Now squirrels can get it. That's right. Does this have a, a nut in the middle? Is it a macadamia nut or something? Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Oh, my God. I love this coconut one. Oh, my God. This is incredible. Oh, it's a California almond. Hmm. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I just taste the coconut. Yeah. the I'm here for it. The cream in the middle is so soft and, like, melts immediately mm-hmm. when it hits your tongue. Ah, uh, love it. Mm. Like, I... I wasn't sure if I was going to, I knew, didn't think I was going to dislike these, these, but I thought I might be like snooty about the like quality of the chocolate or something. No. But like, these are better than Linder balls because of the crunchiness. Oh, big yeah. time. Big time. The texture is a, is a hugely important part yeah. of this experience. And I do still love Linder balls. Wow. Okay, Matthew, that was really, really This is great. So I guess I'm going to start giving these as gifts. Cool. So, cool. Yeah, no, it's it's an affordable it's an affordable luxury. Yeah, I hear I hear your son's birthday is coming up. <laughs> yeah. Um and God knows Giovanni Ferrero needs our money. That's right. Got to got to help that guy. Who will who will think of the tycoons? <laughs> who will think of the tycoons? <laughs> Those poor tycoons. Okay. Uh Matthew, do we have some spilled mail today? We do, and I'm real excited about this one.
So this is from listener Erica who writes, Hello, Matthew and Molly. Last week, I listened to your Senbei episode while wandering around Tokyo where I live. I recently received a Senbei, Senbei from a friend as part of her wedding favors. She's from Choshi, and I was excited to discover that she had indeed given me a wet Senbei that you talked about in your episode. <laughs> I don't have to take the long ride out to Chiba to experience it. Was it the most delicious thing ever? Not quite, but I did enjoy it after learning the history of it on your episode. Thank you for all of your good work. Cheers, Erica. Oh, that is delightful. So this was, we talked about on the on the Senbei Rice Cracker episode how, like, this little tiny train line in Chiba Prefecture, like, uh, revitalized itself by selling a particular local Senbei that is wet. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I still haven't tried, but I really want to. Uh, yeah, no, I'm fascinated by it. Uh, like, Because the whole idea of senbei is like this crispy yeah. thing. Anyway, very interesting. All right. I'm so, I'm so glad that you shared this with us, Erica. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. Matthew, I have a now but wow. So, uh, you know, I'm aware that it's now after the holiday season, but honestly, we're recording this episode before the holiday season. And anyway, it's never too early to think about next year's holiday season. So true. Mm -hmm. You know what's never out of season? Good music. That's right. And what I am about to mention is excellent music. The 2015 holiday album by Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings called It's a Holiday Soul Party. Okay, what are we getting on there song-wise? Oh, okay. It starts out with a Hanukkah song. Okay. And then, hold on. uh, Then it's got a song about chimneys. (laughs) No. (laughs) And I, I'm losing track of the track listing. I, I can't go much further. But you further. were serious that there's a song about chimneys? Yes. The second song Fantastic. is about chimneys or about something coming down or going up the chimney. Uh-huh. You yeah, know how it you works. Know, you know how it is at at the Christmas, holidays. things going up the chimney. Anyway, Sharon Jones passed away in 2016, something I think. Something like that, yeah. But this holiday album is absolute timeless joy. And this band was part of sort of a a whole soul revival. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. So go ahead and... I don't know, save it on Spotify or wherever Just you listen go ahead to music. And put, put it on now. Just go ahead and put it on. It's so good. It is seriously, I am like, I am really cranky about Christmas music. Sure. Like, I kind of really like choral Christmas music. Oh, that's like, not what I I know. No, I'm very, I'm, I'm very weird. All right. Uh, I, I like, I like to really throw it back like Cambridge singers style. Wow. Anyway. But this album is pure delight, and I already can't wait for the holidays to come around again so I can listen to it some more. Okay, well, here here where we are, like, recording a couple weeks ahead of when you hear this, it's not Christmas yet. And so even even by the standards of uh, producer Abby, who's very particular about these sorts of things, we are allowed to listen to it. Yes. Yes. Uh, Speaking of producer Abby, she's our producer. (laughs) Uh, Her full name is Abby Circatella. And uh, speaking of good things, Molly has a newsletter called I've Got a Feeling that's available at mollyweisenberg.substack.com. We don't have to talk about my music this week. Like, it's not as good as Sharon Jones's music. So let's let's let Sharon Jones have the spotlight. Okay. Uh, you can rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and you can catch up with other listeners at everythingspilledmilk.reddit.com, uh, where you can you can talk about, like, uh, you know, what uh, which is your favorite Ferrero Rocher flavor? Have you ever given or received it as a gift? And uh, what's a food that's usually crispy, but you've had a wet version of? <laughs> like, is, is there a wet, wet Ferrero Rocher? It's a wet rock. It's a wet rock. Yeah. Uh, Rocher um, Mouillet? 
Ooh, yes, nice one, Matthew. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I'm I'm. Um... <laughs> Thanks for listening to Spilled Milk. Yeah, I'm Molly Weisenberg, and I'm uh, the international super criminal Roche Mouillet. <laughs> I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, where we... The show. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, okay. <clears throat> I believe in you. Thanks. Here we go.